When I was a young teenager, uh, I went spelunking at summer camp, cave exploring. Uh, and our counselors led us into this cave. We were in the mountains of central Pennsylvania. I grew up in western PA in Pittsburgh. And uh, we were in the, the, the Appalachians. And they took us into this cave and they led us deeper and deeper into the depths. And there were multiple times... Uh, when I thought we had reached the end of the cave, right? But then there was this other tiny space that the counselor said, now we have to squeeze through that and go through there to get to another room. It would open up into another underground room. And we did this multiple times until finally we reached a much larger room in the cave that was actually about the size of the chapel, this size. It was a big, huge room underground uh, in this cave And our counselors told us all to sit down, find a place to sit in the cave. There were about 30 of us in there. And then they turned out their flashlights. And, of course, as soon as they did, there were many screams from the initial shock, right? We all screamed. And, uh, but then it really sank in because they kept them off for an uncomfortably long time. Uh, it sank in that we were experiencing the complete absence of light, It was total darkness. I put my hand in front of my face like this, and I could not see it. You couldn't see anything. And I, I don't know if you have ever been in a situation like that where there's absolutely no light. You know when you turn your lights off in your house at night, and it's dark for a moment, but your eyes adjust, and they start picking up the little bits of light that are still uh, shining somewhere, and you can still see. You adjust to the darkness. Well, that didn't happen in this cave. There was no adjustment. There was literally no light. It was complete blackness. It almost felt like a substance. I felt surrounded by it, crowded in by it, like it was closing in on me. It was terrifying. And I want you to have that image while we get into this sermon. Isn't that comforting? Uh, that's where we're starting. I want you to have that image, that feeling, uh, as we consider uh, this diagnosis from Isaiah, the way Isaiah opens up his uh, prophecy tonight. We in our whole world are in total, almost tangible darkness. Now, you may not think it's that bad, you know, but I wonder if you can relate to the feeling of being unable to see where you are. You know, you don't know what's going on in your life right now. You're confused, perhaps. Or you're, in, you're insecure, you're unsure about where you're going in life. I wonder if you can relate to the idea of hiding. Of where you have secret places in you that you carry. You know, carrying scars. And where you have memories and pain, perhaps, that haunt you. And you just wish that you could forget them. I wonder if you can relate to that kind of darkness. This is the darkness that Isaiah is speaking of. He describes us as walking in the darkness in our passage tonight, which is a difficult thing to do when you take it quite literally, right? If, uh, if you go walking in the dark, it often leads to stubbed toes and bruised shins and possibly the greatest pain known to all of humankind, which is stepping on a Lego block in your bare feet. <laughs> that has been left out on the carpet. I tell you, it makes me cry right now thinking about it. Um, that kind of pain, right? Walking in the darkness can be downright dangerous for us, okay? 
But Isaiah's description here is actually speaking to a status. We're in a state of walking in darkness. Our hearts, our minds, our souls are in darkness. We cannot see or understand correctly or clearly. We're blind to the truth is what he's saying, is the state of our world. It's a commentary on us as individuals, but it's also a commentary on the human race. It's all of us. We're all in this together. And it's not just that, but he describes a land of deep darkness. He's actually broadening the idea to the world itself. That it's not just humanity, but it's the whole created order that is suffering in darkness. Just like in that cave, the darkness is all-encompassing. But, he says, a light has shone into that darkness. A light has come. We who walked in darkness have seen a great light, he says. And I love that metaphor because no matter how dark it is, you know, no matter how, how all-encompassing the blackness feels, the darkness can never overcome light. The two cannot exist in the same space. Where light is, there is no more darkness. When our counselors finally turned their flashlights back on after their kind of sadistic torture of us, uh, they finally flipped on their, their flashlights, and all of a sudden, my world expanded. You know, all of a sudden, I could see the pitch blackness, uh, even though I knew there were others next to me, my friends were there, I couldn't see them. It was like I was trapped in myself. There was nothing outside of me. It was very lonely. But with a flash of light, it ended. All of a sudden, I was in a large room again with lots of people, just like tonight. I, could, I felt like I could breathe again. I had space where before I felt squeezed. This is the effect that Isaiah wants us to have or see about Jesus coming into our world. That he came to bring light. He is the light. And the darkness has not overcome him. He breaks in and changes everything. And Isaiah tells us that it results in a, into a completely new situation. Okay, that's how he describes it. The light brings new life. He says the nation is multiplied. Its joy is increased. Joy is at the harvest. It's a picture of a new life. Life more abundant when the light breaks into this darkness. It's, that's the effect that it has on us. It creates something new. Jesus means new life. No more darkness. And that sounds really good, but how does it actually work in our lives, right? What about those memories we talked about earlier? What about the scars that we carry? What about the pain that we know, right? Or the pain that we've caused others? How do we experience this light? Because if we're honest, I think most of the time we feel trapped when it comes to our pain. If you're like me, we feel resigned to thinking that this must be the best that it's going to be. You know, this is as good as it gets. Our main goal is to just keep the damage to a minimum and try to manage the pain to a low hum in the background of life and do our best to enjoy what we can. But we don't really think that we might experience true freedom, that we might actually understand or experience true healing. What I'm really describing when I say that is, is really a feeling of slavery, being a slave to our pain and brokenness. They really run the show, right? And we're just doing our best to cope. 
Just think about your motivations or think about your thought life, okay? Just think about the way you think on an average day or, or think about your addictions. Maybe you have compulsive behaviors in your life. We try to do the right thing. We try to love others and so on. But if we're honest with ourselves, most of the time we know that our motivations are mixed at best. Often they're out of a sense of guilt or maybe they're actually just trying to help somebody so that we feel better about ourselves, right? Maybe we try to kick the bad habit or kick the compulsive behavior, but we keep on falling back into it. We work so hard to keep up the appearance of being good people, but often we're very cruel to ourselves internally. Our internal monologue is not a very nice place to be. I don't know about you. I'll speak for myself. And sometimes we're actually even mean to others. None of you guys. But um, sometimes, you know, we might actually hope that somebody might get what's coming to them, right? When we felt wronged by someone. Or we're burdened by the voices of shame that we hear telling us that we're not enough. So there's a picture of bondage. Listen to what Isaiah says. Isaiah says, For the yoke of, the, of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken. You have broken. All of these are tools of enslavement, is what Isaiah is describing. A yoke is used to control an animal, right? Or a slave, or prisoners, uh, to control them. You know, you get yanked whichever way the yoke goes. And the staff and the rod are used for discipline or for uh, punishment, for judgment. You get beaten when you're out of line or you break the rules. It's a picture of being controlled or being oppressed, as Isaiah says. And he tells us that Jesus came into the world to break it. Jesus came into the world to break the yoke, to break the rod and the staff, to set us free. And how does he do this? Well, it's not what we expect, okay? Uh, We expect someone like, you know, Dwayne The Rock Johnson to come in with his biceps kind of, you know, oiled up and his eyebrow raised and he's ready to kick some tail, you know, like that's it. And he's going to beat some oppressors, you know, he's in every movie, by the way, he is in every movie. The Rock Johnson is in every movie and you'll see it. He's going to be in every movie from now on until 2022. Anyhow, um, The Rock, we expect something like that, that Jesus is going to come in and lay it down. But what does he do? He actually comes in a completely opposite way. From start to finish, Jesus comes in total humility. He comes in weakness. The way Jesus wins for us and for our created world is he dies. He loses for you and for me. The cause of all of our pain, the Bible tells us, is our sin. Our inability to love the way that we should. That's what sin is. It's just that we can't love the right way. We're broken lovers. And that is the yoke around our necks, which is yanking us whichever way it wants us to go. And Jesus comes into our darkness and takes that yoke off of us, takes the yoke off of you, and he puts it on himself. Paul says, he who knew no sin became sin for us. Jesus became our sin. He became a loser, the loser, for you and for me. As we said, the rod and the staff were tools for discipline and punishment and judgment. 
whenever someone got out of line or didn't do what the slave master wanted. The rod and the staff are what keep us afraid, right? If you think about it, what keeps you quiet when you've got pain? Or what makes you hide when maybe you actually really need help and support? I'll tell you, it's the sense of resignation that we feel because we feel like if we're honest about our struggles, if we really bring everything into the light and come out of hiding, we're going to get hit like the rod and the staff. That we're actually going to not be received. We're going to be rejected. But that's not true. Not true anymore. Because Jesus took the beating for us. Jesus suffered the consequences for our sin by going to the cross for us. The rod and the staff that demand that we die for our sin, Jesus took them. He did that for us. He died in our place. That's the result for you and me then that there is no more punishment to be suffered. No more punishment. The rest of what Paul says about Jesus is that he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God, so that we are forgiven. That's the good news. That's why we remember this day, thousands of years later, is because, as Isaiah said, the light has come into the darkness. He has come to expose the darkness. He has come to break it for us. That's the awesome news, that because of Jesus, we're now welcomed home by God. We are welcomed home by him. He knows every single moment of your life. He knows every scar that you carry. He knows every memory that you have. He knows every secret. And he says to you, all of those are mine. I own them. They're mine now. You don't have to carry them anymore. That's my yoke to carry. Remember, he's brought light into the darkness. There's no more place to hide. There's no more need to hide because he takes that pain for you. He lost for you. No more fear. And so practically, this means for us that there's nothing to lose. There's nothing to lose. You don't need to suffer alone in your personal prison of darkness anymore. That feeling of being trapped in yourself like I felt in that cave so many years ago. We can actually risk the light in our lives. We don't have to walk in darkness. We can bring our brokenness into the light and find forgiveness, find healing. Jesus is already there. That's the awesome news about Scripture. It tells us that Jesus is already there. He already knows. He knew it when he walked to the cross for us. He knew it. He knew it before he came into the world to be born as a baby for us. That's why he came. He came because of the darkness. He came because of the secrets. He came because of the pain. His desire for you is to experience forgiveness in your life, to experience healing to actually know freedom in those places of bondage. And it's real. That's why Isaiah calls him the Prince of Peace. He comes to finally give you peace. This is why Christmas happened. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, 
of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. That's a promise to you. He will do it. He has done it. He came in weakness to lose for you and for me. And the result is that we gain everything. We gain everything, even eternal life. That's why those angels cried out to the shepherds. That's why heaven couldn't even hold back when they're just telling this ragtag group of guys. I mean, that's quite a display that God puts on for a group of shepherds. The multitude of heaven is singing out. There's great news. Jesus has come. The Savior is here. Light is shining into the darkness. And we know this is true because we live on this side of Christmas. We live on this side of the cross. We know that Isaiah was right, that God came and accomplished his rescue mission. And we are given the gift of eternal freedom, eternal life. That's the promise to you tonight. That's what Jesus wants you to hear this Christmas, that he came to save you from the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for the fact that you have come to bring light into the darkness. That once the light shines, the darkness has no power over it. It cannot be in the same space. And Lord, you bring that light into our lives, into our hearts, into our brokenness, into our personal pain. I pray, Jesus, that you would penetrate deeply into each one of us. Lord, that you would open us up and that we would find you already there, bringing healing to the places that we're scared. Lord, I pray that you would use us to be messengers of this good news, that we would see you in, with new eyes this Christmas, and that this year we would come and uh, we would want to share about you with those who need to hear it. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.